welcome to Human HQ's Beyond Human podcast. I'm Dr. Beatrice Craven. And I'm Holly Conway. And we want to give you a fly-on-the-wall peek into the kinds of conversations that we have here over at Human HQ. We're a passion project based out of Houston, Texas, that believes in cultivating social and emotional wellness through the power of human connection. And specifically through storytelling. We all have stories, and we believe that when we approach one another through storytelling and listen through curiosity the way we do here at Human HQ, beautiful things can happen. We are so, so happy that you're here. And we hope that our willingness to be beyond human together inspires you to share your own stories and approach the world with a bit more curiosity too. Be well and be kind, y'all. More on Human HQ at humanhq.org. Now let's get to talking. What helped you move further into yourself? That makes sense. Yes, it does. So my growth of self came after a forced uh, awakening, for lack of a better term. So I was in a very long-term, very serious relationship that ended very abruptly and very tragically, painfully, all the bad things that happen when a relationship ends that you thought was going to work. And one of the things that I recognized in the ending of that relationship was that whoever I thought I was before had completely disappeared. And the person that was left at this end of this relationship was somebody who had sacrificed every piece of herself mm-hmm. that she possibly could to try and maintain the relationship. I spent a lot of time and effort bending and making more space for my partner so that the relationship would survive mm-hmm. because it wasn't supposed to survive, but I decided that it should. <laughs> and so I just kept moving and moving and moving and changing and changing and changing until one day you wake up and you realize that you're not who you thought you were. Mm-hmm. And there's no way to be that person that you want to be and be in this relationship. And so the relationship had to end. And there was a lot of undoing that came at that point in my life where uh, I had to stop and take a look at what I had allowed to create itself, what I allowed to become. And also kind of spend some time reflecting on who I actually want to be as a young woman. Like I said, creating a family system has always been extremely important to me. There's a reason why I went to school for marriage and family therapy. It's a valuable goal of mine. And so I had to kind of reconcile that I don't have power in that space of creating this magical family system. I had to let that go. Mm -hmm. And so with letting that go came a lot of... a lot of space to <laughs> reflect on who I was and who I wanted to be. So my best friend became my journal. I journaled all the time, first thing mm. in the morning. One of my favorite things to do is when I'm having a thought or a feeling, I just stop and marinate on that word and I'll go online and I will Google quotes about that word. So the word is fear. So I'll Google quotes until something comes up and resonates with me. And then I will journal for about that. And one of the things that really helped me in that process was like walking myself through it to the point that I came to a resolution or a new awareness about something for myself. So I did that a lot, a lot. I went to therapy, which is also very valuable. And I went on a yoga retreat. (laughs) But the valuable thing about the yoga retreat for me was that I had always wanted to go to Costa Rica. And in my relationship, that was just never something that seemed to be possible for us to do. And so I was like, fuck that. I'm going on this yoga retreat. And the yoga retreat was in Costa Rica, and it's a beautiful place. And I went, and one of the things that happened in that space was community. Mm-hmm. I met wonderful people who had stories to share. And we mm-hmm. sat around in the dark and shared stories. And one thing that it helped me do was kind of come into terms with who I am and that my story is unique and matters, because that's one thing that I was struggling with at the time was that the story of mine didn't matter as much because 
it's a breakup, you know, like it's fine, mm. but it was really impactful in my journey of who I was supposed to be. And that's one thing that I can definitely reflect back on and say that we all have these pieces that just seem like part of our story, but they're definitely places where the, the road forks and we have to make a choice. And that means that it mattered to us. It's, it really does matter. And so in that time, even just in that week, a lot of journaling, a lot of yoga, really clean food and all the fun stuff and beautiful scenery. And when I came back home from that space, I knew that I was a changed person, more centered in myself. So did you see yourself approach dating very differently after Absolutely. that? Absolutely. <laughs> That's like such a leading question. I'm like, hmm. The, sure. the time between the end of the relationship and dating again was full of avoidance, should we call it? Avoidant-like behaviors. <laughs> so there was a lot of just like running, people trying to get close and me rejecting it, feeling very intruded upon by anybody that wanted my time or space because I had not stopped to think about what that meant to me. I had let so much of it go that I was very protective of it. And so it was really difficult for me to get close to people because they would try and I'd be like, no, look at all these things that are wrong with them. Get away from me. When really all they wanted was to connect. <laughs> and so it took a while for me to kind of realize that I was standing in my own way because I still had this idea in my mind about what I wanted in a relationship and what I wanted for myself family-wise. But I could not let anybody get close to me and I had not stopped to think about why that was and how I was impacting that with my own thoughts and feelings. And so in that space, when I came back, I was much more intentional about stating my needs, listening for what it was that I wanted, writing down the things that I thought were valuable, ignoring the things that were, I'm not going to call them stupid, but you know, <laughs> they're just not necessary for what you want in a partner. Mm -hmm. They're not really the meat of what it means to be connected to somebody. So letting go of those things well, I'm so curious, what were some of those things? Oh, my things? goodness. Oh, man. So I had very clear <laughs> very clear intentions about superficial things that mattered, right? Uh. So one of those things was height. Height was very important, and I was struggling a lot to date anybody who wasn't a certain height. And I recognized that that is completely ridiculous. Mm. And what you were looking for is somebody who wants to speak to your heart and cares about you. And so I had to let go of some of, like, when I'm looking through the apps, I just stopped filtering out people that weren't six feet. You know, like, mm -hmm. look at everybody. Like, everything is fine, <laughs> right? Also, one of the things was uh, needing somebody who was aware of exactly how to interact with me from the beginning without any explanation about what I needed, mm -hmm. right? So one of the ways that that looks is... I am a words of affirmation person, and so that's very valuable to me, and it still is, but just because somebody isn't forthcoming with that doesn't mean that they can't learn. Yeah. And so that was one of the other pieces of like, if they're not offering something right away, like give them an opportunity to learn how to do it. If you mm -hmm. don't ever expose them to that, how are they ever going to figure it out? Yeah. Um, and so even things like that, when it came to like stopping the cutoff mm -hmm. so fast by just even giving them space to learn me a bit more. Yeah, yeah. I think the like for people who are dating that that's such a fear. Like I said earlier, it's like we have this like settling is like the dirtiest word, and you hear maybe stories like that, and it's like, oh, it's, it's because it can sound like settling if you're kind of in that headspace. I heard something so great the other day, and it was about that word settling. And I was talking to someone, and they were basically saying like settling feels like such a terrible word. But his experience was that like when he was like single or dating and just like he said, my life was like this. Like he said, it was like a snow globe, like just like, <sighs> like just everything was whirling all the time. And he's like, and I found the person that I was like, hmm, I feel like I could settle with this person. 
And he said, like, as he grew with this person, like, he, it felt like, like, literal settling, like, of his emotions and his thoughts and his life. And he's like, it was like all the little flurries in the snow globe, like, they settled. And it was actually, like, a really nice experience. I was like, oh, that is, like, the best reframe I've ever heard of the word mm-hmm. settling. I think about it all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a terrible thing. It's like, it's a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, it, you know, and it, it, just to connect that back a little bit, too, it's like, what do we need to feel settled? Mm-hmm. You know, because I think I really wanted that. And I don't think I knew quite how to get there. You know, even when I was married, I'm like, I just don't know, like, what would it take, though? Like, what do I need to be happy? Or like, what would help us get to that point where we feel, you know, settled um, and being able to bring like language, you know, to that. And I think that that's been this came up today, just like a memory of this, but it was like so life changing for me in our own like couples work. Noticing how we start to like passively play into these different patterns. So whether it's my desire to please, you know, like really looking to other. That's why it was not a coincidence that my man comes off as like a very powerful authoritarian, mm-hmm. like, you know, he's like that kind of guy. He takes up a lot of space, a lot of room. And I really like that because I'm like, great, you can have it and I'll mm-hmm. follow you right. <laughs> wherever, wherever you want to go, Absolutely. babe. Like, great, you know. And then I turned to resentment. I think as I grew into myself, I'm like, hey, that actually like, does not work for healed self. Healed self does not feel cool with that. And I think that's also an interesting part of our own story is that we've had to do so much healing work together. And there really is just so much of that. And like, kind of going back to the conversations that we were just having, that growth element in a partner you know, being so important. So when it comes to like how I was passively pay- playing into these patterns, my couples therapist kind of pointed out, my use of language, because I would tend to look at him, even if it would be like something as small as like watching TV, I'm like, hey, like, what do you want to watch? Or like, what do you want to eat? Or like, are, you know, just like, but different things like that, where I, I didn't notice that I'm like, you know, putting this passive implication that he has control to decide that. And we're going to do whatever it is that you want to do with that. And then I would get resentful of like, but like, well, this is where you ask me. (laughs) Well, what I think, you think, great. You know, like, well, now what what would you like? And then we'll come to something together. And so within my work within couples, it was kind of like, this is what I want. Are you willing? And I'm like, fuck. (laughs) You know, I'm like, oh, you can just say that. You know, because, you know, my husband, and and again, like, these aren't like, it's not like a malintent kind of thing. It's like, it's kind of manipulative. Like, you know what you want, you know, or like, you know where you want to go. Why are you asking me where I want to go? And then get flustered, you know, when I'm like, I don't know. Or like, I don't want to go there. Just saying like, I want this. And yeah, are you willing, you know, or maybe we need to find something else. But even being able to lead from that place where I was like, man, you know, so that's my hope, you know, as we keep listening to these patterns and stories, like how do we passively play into that? Mm -hmm. And I guess that's part of our next question, too. And like as we do this work, as we listen, as we start to move further within ourselves, there's also a certain amount of vulnerability that comes with that. I'm like, yeah, it's a lot more vulnerable to also say, hey, this is what I want, you know, and then like. Is that going to get met or not met? And sometimes it is going to get met and sometimes it's not, you know, but it's a different experience. Huge. Mm -hmm. It was making me think, especially for people who are dating, it's tricky, not going to lie, of like, how long do I wait? How long do I hold on? I feel like I've communicated this. Is it changing? Is it not? You know, it it, it is a really tricky, like, sorry, I don't have the formula, (laughs) but just like acknowledging it. It's it's tricky to be like, hmm, I don't quite see what I want, but like, what can I teach? What feels healthy to teach or whatnot? So just be listening to all of that within yourself where it feels like, hmm. I know for people who um, 
lean towards kind of like people pleasing or what we call like anxious attachment. If you don't know about attachment styles, look it up. It's fantastic. So if you lean Mm. kind of towards that where you get lost in other people and you're always trying to make them happy, something I've been noticing, if you lean that way, it can be really tempting to kind of like duct tape a relationship together and like hold it together with all your might because the fear is like if I let this go, like it's going to break and it's not going to work and then they're going to be gone. You know, and so I, and that's part of anxious attachment is like, OK, I need to be in a relationship where I really like if I don't duct tape it together and I am not like with death grip holding it together, they can choose to like stay or go. And that's their choice. And I'll be fine either way. And that's really the healing work for people who are like, ah, I'm just like holding on to these relationships for so long and willing it to work. That doesn't quite feel healthy. Mm-hmm. And so it is really tuning into yourself and listening to your story of like how long do I hold on if I feel like I've communicated my needs and wants? If I feel like I've told you what I, and I'm still not seeing it. It's like, okay, can I let it go? And if it breaks, it breaks. And it, if it goes, it goes. And I have to heal from that then. Mm-hmm. And I guess here's a quick question, you know, for you, Yvonne. So a lot of this is around. So the question for our folks who are seeking is, if you allowed yourself to be 1% more vulnerable within dating, what would look different? And for folks who might be in that more settled place, if you allowed yourself to be 1% more vulnerable within your relationship, what would look different? And so I wonder even as you moved into that, like how did you even know like how you needed to be vulnerable or what that 1% would be, you know? I mean, my relationship with my husband now started off very rocky because I had spent so much time trying to avoid closeness that when I met him, I was like, get away from me because he was right. He was what I needed and I could not take it because I wasn't ready for it. So there was a lot of back and forth in the beginning. And the reason why we're together now is because I picked up the phone and called him and said, hey, I recognize that I haven't been my best self. And I'd like for you to give me another opportunity to try this because I think that you're worth it, which was the biggest leap of vulnerability that I had ever taken, which was actually going after somebody that I thought was worthwhile. And so one of the things that that taught me in the beginning of the relationship was that if I'm authentic and clear about what it is that I need, then my partner will listen to me. And so what that means is now in our relationship, it comes in small doses, but it's me literally, whatever it is that I want, whatever it was I'm feeling, it's actually saying it out of my mouth Mm -hmm. uh, in a clear way. One of the things that happens for me a lot is my people pleaser uh, spends a lot of time worrying about not being enough in the relationship. And so there are times where I have to stop and literally say that out loud. Like, this is what I'm worried about right now. And for him to say to me, that's not even on the table. That's not even being considered, you know, but even having the space to like push myself to say the things that I'm thinking or feeling in the moment so that I can get some feedback from my partner and I'm not just operating from that position without any recognition from him. Because what it looks like is me being super defensive and super Mm -hmm. angsty about everything. And he doesn't understand that. But he does understand me saying, hey, I'm worried about X, Y, and Z, which gives him permission to actually communicate around that. Yeah, I hear so much of like a revealing of yourself. Yes. And it's really cool to hear about because as I think about it and like it goes back to the attachment stuff. So a a good place to start if you haven't done any attachment work, you can read the book Attached. It's a great, you know, overview of of what that looks like and all the relational patterns and how we play into each other. But me leaning more stereotypically anxious, him leaning more stereotypically avoidant. With that in mind, vulnerability for me was share what you're thinking and feeling. But wildly enough, that was the exact same thing for him Mm -hmm. as an avoidant personality. It's also like, you're going to want to shut down or like not share or say, I don't have needs or like kind of like, 
maybe even subconsciously hiding, you know, behind, you know, some of that stuff too. But there's just so much of that that seems to be at the core of our vulnerability is like, what is the one thing that's like true to me that I'm willing to reveal that might even make me afraid Mm -hmm. to reveal that? And like, what would that be? I think that's such a great difference because sometimes vulnerability is like, what is that really? You know, Mm -hmm. and and exactly what they're talking about. But I think of vulnerability as like whatever I'm like feeling here and thinking here because it's actually coming out of my mouth to where the other person can hear it Mm -hmm. without a lot of editing, without a lot of filtering. Like that's vulnerability. And it does it. You almost always know you're being vulnerable when you're not editing, when you're really speaking, and you're also um, feeling like jumbly (laughs) Mm -hmm. because it's like we don't always have language for those things coming together and it feels like you're kind of all over the place. And I'm like, okay. Think of being vulnerable because it's like, I don't know, did that make any sense? And like that feels like vulnerability to me. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm just trying to like genuinely talk about what's going on inside of me to another person. Yeah, and I think it really requires us to challenge that fear of, you know, because I feel like that the, the fear part of that is that this isn't going to be received mm-hmm. or not received well or dropped or judged, you know, in any way. That's why even like my disclosure before, you know, I'm like, well, I'm willing to do it because it's like it's honest, right? And it's just true. And And my hope for that is that, that will be liberating for someone else who might be like, oh, my God, like, I don't know the answer to these questions. <laughs> you know, it's just like, same, same, you know, yeah. like, we're figuring that, out, that that stuff out, too. But, right, the part that makes it feel vulnerable is, like, you know, the, the fear that maybe someone's going to be like, what? <laughs> like, do you think you're like a psychologist? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you've been married for, like, <laughs> ever, you know? Um, and so it's being able to, to feel that, hold that, and move through that anyhow. I also feel like sometimes vulnerability can be not filtering what's coming towards you. Like actually seeing mm, yes. it for what it is and trusting that this is what it is. I know that in the beginning of a relationship, a lot of times like people are showing signs. And even if it's a good sign, you're like, what is that? What does that really mean? What could that actually be? And sometimes it's actually taking it for what it is and believing that what that thing is is true. Mm-hmm. You can hold that and believe in that and allow it to influence how you interact with your partner. Thank you so much for listening, y'all. It just warms my heart to be able to be with you human to human. We're never alone. And storytelling really has this way of reminding us of that. For sure. And the biggest gift we hope to leave you with is the power of sharing through story and listening through curiosity. It feels a little weird to ask y'all to review our show, like, rate our humanness. But sharing does help us get the word out. So thanks in advance for spreading the love on this special project. Stay kind. Kind and curious, y'all. Talk soon and keep up with us at humanhq.org and on Instagram at human underscore HQ. We'll keep these peaks into our world coming your way as a part of our mission to inspire storytelling and curiosity. So stay tuned and talk soon. Mm-hmm.